Hello and welcome to episode 25 of series two of Cherry Jam. Full gang this evening, we've got Jim Harley, Russ Brooks, Lawrence Landre or Loz and James Eastwood or Snowy. Um, no rugby this weekend for Gloucester because obviously our defeat to La Rochelle uh, the previous weekend and we'll touch on the weekend's rugby a little bit. But because there is no rugby, it's one of those silly pods where we're just going to sort of chat randomly about rugby, about our favourite sort of bits and pieces uh, about Gloucester. Um, and then there's been a few news stories this weekend, um, one involving Henry Trinder um, and uh, his his departure. Um, but we'll, we'll start off with uh, a quick recap of this weekend's European rugby. I'll be honest, I didn't watch a huge amount of it because Gloucester weren't involved, but I did catch the odd bits and pieces. Uh, Exeter um, started like a train on uh, Saturday against Leinster, but ended up coming short and actually looking, actually ended up being well beaten. Um, Bordeaux beat Racing in what can only be described as the most awful game of rugby, probably of the decade. Uh, it was a mental it, end to it, though, wasn't it? It was, but the previous 74. Five, six minutes were awful. Awful. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, there was also a, a, a brilliant win for Toulouse over Claremont. Um, in, in, what, in what would have been the most boring game of rugby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that was all <laughs> the boringest <laughs> game. Yeah. Um, and then there were, you know. The games are poor when there's no chat in our um, WhatsApp group about You them. know it's bad, yeah. Like no one, no one's saying anything at all. Um, obviously, Leicester uh, beat London Irish. Bath beats um, somebody. Uh, no, hang on, other way around. No, isn't Bath, it? So Bath, Bath beat, Bath London, beat London, Irish. London Irish. Yeah, Bath beat London Irish. Leicester beats um, somebody. Ulster, no, Ulster beat Quinns. Um, it sh- shows how much we care about. We don't the care anymore. Le- Leicester, Leicester beat Newcastle. That's it. That's the one. Yeah, we don't really care, do we? Let's be honest. It, you know, I feel it's probably our fault because I think we said last week was one of those examples of how good European rugby is at the moment. And it died on its ass this week. Well, today it? it did. I think, yeah, you know, yesterday, to be fair, some of the rugby yesterday it, was excellent. Exeter Leinster was incredible. And um, a few people said before the game, didn't they, that the winner will come out of the winner of that game. And judging by the other quarterfinals, Leinster, I mean, Exeter would have beaten anyone else, I think. Um, the fact that Leinster won that game, I cannot see Leinster losing. No, they they they, they just had it. It depends on whether it depends on whether Toulouse and Racing turn up when they when they when they play whoever gets to the final. Oh, we're Racing are out, aren't they? Well, oh, of course, yeah, sorry. But yes, yeah, I agree. Was, yeah, 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 I agree. I know you mean. Yeah, so yeah. It's, if, it's, if, if Toulouse turn up on the day, then they they yeah. got, they've got the ability to 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 do it, haven't they? But, I suppose the other thing as well is it depends on you know I think I think Toulouse probably for me at the moment a standout team. Um, La Rochelle absolutely thumped sale um, and it shows you the difference that our pack made because bearing in mind how um, I suppose nasty and and uh, and big the sale pack is their scrum was rubbish I mean they got pushed all over the place I mean I know La Rochelle didn't start with the first choice front row against us but it they were they were beaten up badly um and also, it's a big difference, isn't it? If you're playing La Rochelle in La Rochelle, that makes a that makes a change. Um, They've got some momentum now, I think, haven't they? That's two pretty good wins, and I, I don't. I think they are probably the team no one will expect anything from in the semis now, based on you know pedigree and previous. It's, it's, so all, it's, it's all the French nothing, teams, isn't it? That's the trouble. It's, it's, but they've got you know, nothing to three do, French so. and a Leinster. It's kind of 
Yeah. I'll be honest, I'd like any team other than Leinster to win it, really. I can't I can't see Bordeaux winning it. No. No, they're, they're quite, they're quite limited, final, aren't they? Yeah, Toulouse, I, team, limited, I agree with Loz. I think Toulouse are probably your best bet of outside of Leinster, aren't they? If they turn up in the mood to play. Mm. Yeah, um, the only thing is if, if that La Rochelle big pack gets hold of the Leinster, because they're playing Leinster, aren't they? La they haven't drawn it yet. Um, oh. Well, yeah, they do. Uh, they do another draw. It's today, though, isn't it? So it may, I think it so. I've not, I've not it seen was, the draw. It was straight after the last Yeah, I didn't see it, but it was... Like someone said, it was the most exciting thing of today. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'm just as we're speaking, I am. Yeah, I think oh, we yeah. all Leinster, are. Oh, you lost. You're right. Leinster will play La Rochelle. Toulouse will play Bordeaux. Uh, I thought I'd that, seen it. Yeah, uh, that's at, at in Dublin, is it? Um, it says that it will be in. Yeah, probably. Um, so they'll probably play it at the Aviva because that's nice and neutral, isn't it? Well, that's kind um, of irrelevant, isn't it? You can play, yeah, you can play in a field at the moment, can you? They can play at the RDF with capacity-wise, it won't matter, will it? No, exactly. I mean, the one thing is, of course, is that um, it's going to now determine where they're playing the final. Um, it doesn't really make a difference. Obviously, Marseille has now been moved to next year. Tottenham has been moved to the year after. Um so uh, I do feel sorry for the Italians because they blatantly are going to get one eventually, but it's, uh, it's it keeps getting delayed due to COVID. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a weird one with you. When, when, when Gloucester aren't playing, I think sometimes when Gloucester aren't playing, we will kind of sit and watch the rugby, but I don't know, this weekend seemed a bit, I wasn't that particularly excited necessarily. Um, I've watched bits, I've watched bits and pieces. I mean, you know, in the, in the Challenge Cup, um, say good win for Leicester, um, good win for Bath. Uh, although you know that that was disappointing, <laughs> and um, it looks like. And I think to be fair, of the four teams left, I'd probably say Ulster look the favourites. They look very good against a, a Quinn side. Um, so yeah, it, it's yeah. Uh, it, it's we'll strange, see. isn't it? Because it's the first time Ulster have ever been in the tournament, and sometimes. They they just kind of it kind of happened a little bit when um, when Munster when they had that one year where um, yeah Munster dropped down Munster yeah. dropped down. <laughs> when um, Leinster, both have done it. Both yeah, have done it. I, I, like Leinster, Leinster have won it, haven't they? Yeah, Leinster have won Munster it. Munster, Munster lost in the final. I think. Yeah, and it was it was all sort of well that's a bit silly because you've got two really really good teams that have had their chance at Europe and then they get another chance and obviously they steamrolled all the other champions. Um, or the other Challenge Cup teams because they were just uh, another level it, it, that, Yeah, that's the that's football model, though, isn't yeah. it? Champions yeah. League. If you finish third in your group in the Champions League, you drop down into the Waffa Cup or whatever it's called. These I things. don't know if anyone else saw it. What I find funny is Stephen Ferris seems to be... Tr- I hope he's trolling Twitter because he seems to be off on one saying that it's showing how superior the Pro 14 is to... Um, to all the other leagues in like the Premiership. But yeah, Loz is doing a sign. I'm trying really hard to not laugh as I say this because it's just the absurd, most dumb but thing the, I've the, ever seen. The, the, the reason why the Pro 14 sides, like Leinster particularly, um, do very well is because they're directly funded by the IRF, IRFU. Yeah. And, and also they play the C team of most teams most weeks as yeah, well. Yeah, well, well, they play their own. I mean, you know, the reason why Leinster and all the teams in the in the Pro 14, they don't have to really worry too much about qualification uh, to the Champions Cup. Um, 
they've just got to beat the Italian sides and and the, and mainly the the Welsh sides. Um, and it's B level rugby for nine times nine. It, is, it, it was just a weird argument to make. I just did. It's just bizarre, isn't it? They're they're all pretty much guaranteed qualification, like you said, Ed. Yeah, it's actually and funding. I yeah, think the funding. Was, yeah, someone else. Like, there's been a documentary about Leinster, and they were going on about how how great their um their structure is. And I think it was Andy T put one of my favourite lines ever. And he's like, and they've done it on such a small budget as well. <laughs> yeah. Which, if you don't know him, you could think he was being serious because yeah. he just he. Uh, but it's so true, isn't it? The, the amount of money they get and people moan about the French teams, but just the support for Ireland is and their provinces is just, you know, it's set well, up so well. Three of the four provinces. Well, yeah. I mean, up, up until quite recently, Connacht, Connacht weren't really sort of treated. I mean, there was even a, a chance they were going to be disbanded as a team not that long ago. Um Lam rather put a spanner in that works when he went there and won the league with it. He did, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I would say with with the Irish, you know, that they generally generally play a decent decent when they do put the first side out, they play a nice brand of rugby normally. Um and actually when you think back with you know, bearing in mind Leinster and Munster had all that funding for such a long time, Leinster, particularly in the early days of the Harnican Cup, kind of underperformed. For a very long time, really, with the players. Yeah, the, 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 the golden generation then came through, didn't they? Darcy yeah. and Driscoll and Rob Carney and yeah. the likes. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of normally semi-finals, you're going to probably see Toulouse and Leinster on you every year, more or less. Yeah. Um, it does. It does lovely, brilliantly uh, lead on to another bit of the pod we want to talk about. Snowy suggested it. We were thinking of what things to talk about this week. Snowy suggested this, which is the future of rugby union, the next 10 years where we see professional rugby going. Um, and as he, um, um, yeah, <laughs> um, as he, as he suggested, I'll let him start uh, unless he did it to just wind us all up and hasn't got any ideas. <laughs> well, I thought it was a good one that we could sort of think off the, off the cuff and it might sort mm. of open into some wider discussion. So I suppose it depends what aspect you're going to look at first off. I think that the one that jumps up, jumps immediately to attention is, it feels like over the last few years, and it's a constant trajectory that we're on, is that how do we protect and further the commercial interests of the game um, at club level? And we've seen quite a lot of movement elsewhere in world rugby where they've restructured leagues um, to have more sort of franchise-style clubs, um, Mm. but usually a larger number of clubs as well with a more complex league system. So it wouldn't... it's difficult because I think English rugby and French rugby is big enough to stand alone. Um, But it wouldn't surprise me if we saw some sort of European league tournament, maybe not in the next five years, but when we're looking at 10 years, I can imagine this is almost like a dystopian future, but where we have, (laughs) (laughs) where we could end up with a few of the big clubs being turned into franchises, a few of the smaller clubs being combined into franchises, and you end up with a sort of European Super League um, with, with big clubs in representing regions of their country. So you could have a, a north of the UK, a London franchise, a southwest French franchise, a Midlands franchise, mm. um, similar elsewhere. That's sort of like the dystopian long-term future. Will we get to that? I'm surprised mean, with it being privately owned clubs, though. If the backers start to pull out and then all of a sudden the RF, sorry to interrupt, though, 
But if the RFU, touch on this point, if the RFU then have to start taking over the clubs, then they might look to merge and get you might get your dystopian future then. But I think all the time, the money men are still in the sport. I don't think that will happen. Well, I, the, the, the reason I sort of think it might go that way is that at the minute, the money men do it for love of the game, not to make money. And, and, yeah. and, and, and that survives for so long. But what you could potentially end up with with a commercial model like that is that those clubs are profit-making because they've got such a wider potential audience. In it, The theory, I don't necessarily agree with this at all, but the, the theory being that those super clubs generate a much wider, basically put more value into the game from a viewing so, perspective, more money gets driven in through TV revenue, etc., and those those owners can end up making money. I, mm. I take your point. To, I think the biggest problem for me there, Snowy, is is splitting it across the country because that's not. I don't know how that becomes viable long term. You imagine how easy would it be to get teams like Exeter, like you you set aside local rivalries of Gloucester, Bath, Bristol, for example. I don't know if financially the clubs are in that position but how do you get someone like bristol and exeter to break up and merge i could that's, that's the issue for me is yeah it creates an imbalance across the country doesn't it it's not you, like you've got you a can see what happens you can see what would happen can't you it'd be the safe west bears playing out of ashton gate yeah well i was gonna I say this the Gwent Dragons, they were when, when Newport... Uh, when yeah, they, the Kel- the and the Kel- was, was it the uh, Warriors? The, no, that was Bridgen. That was a different Bridgen. Warriors, was a different yeah, the, New, so, New, the, With Newport, they insisted they, it was a Newport-Gwent Newport Dragon, Dragons. Newport-Gwent Dragons, yeah. yeah. I, I, it's the Gwent Dragons. I just think it's how do you break... I, I think that's the difficulty for me, is that disparity in the regions across the country. I think you'd have to really look at how you do that to make clubs sustainable like it would who have you got up north newcastle sale how do you how do you marry yeah. it up so that those if, clubs if you want to make it if, if you want to make it a truly global game and then you look at it in england and it's nowhere near all over the country it's you, you kind of how do you encourage teams to suddenly find a squad and have that investment and all the rest of it. But mm. I only re- I only found out this season, I didn't realise that bordeaux Begley is called such because it was actually the merging of Bo- the Bordeaux team and the Begley team. I mean, yeah. there was all this. Was, 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 there, was there the same uproar in France? Yeah, and it nearly happened. Was there the same uproar that has been in, in Wales when, when those teams were getting merged? I don't know yeah, whether, yeah, whether yeah, they yeah. just went, oh yeah, that, well, that's the thing is best. though, in, in Wales though, Jim, I mean, I was there when it happened. I mean, I was at university in Wales when they did they did the merging of the re- into the regions. And although there was an outcry and an uproar, it, it was the only model that made sense because they had the, the, the financial backing of that was just they couldn't compete. I mean, realistically, yeah, Neith, Neith as a team the, couldn't. Well, no, but Cardiff, Cardiff and couldn't. Swansea could because they sort of they they kind of wandered off on their own for a few years, didn't they? Um, and they were always well, battling yeah, with Cardiff, the other teams. Cardiff was the only one that didn't merge with anyone. Yeah, uh, no, they it, did. It, no, they, it, did uh, they did actually merge some with um, a side, um, Jim. I think he oh, was the Warriors. Was it the Warriors? No, Philly, landed a bit later. No. Yeah, Philly, I think it was Warriors. Yeah, Philly, I think it was. There were five regions, weren't there? In Cardiff, there was five you regions Cal- originally. You had the Celtic yeah. Warriors. You lasted yeah. a season. Yeah. To Ed's point, though, like yeah, none of those clubs. The decision was definitely the right one at that point in time because the way the games evolved, none of those clubs. Imagine an Ebba Vale or something trying to stay afloat in the modern game. You've absolutely there, there's no not way. enough people to do it. Yeah. The, 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 the only way I think I can see it happening. Rob Gilbert. 
The only thing I can see, way I can see um, uh, that type of league structure developing um, is you'd end up having like a Kerry Packer type figure. God fucking hell, there's a blast from the past. Well, uh, you know, uh, but basically he would, someone would come along and say, I've got this fantastic idea. Let's have regional rugby and we're going to make it into a European Super League. Right. Now, every rugby uh, supporter in the country would go, now nah, jog on. But if you go to the television companies and say, this is what we're going to do, we're going to make it all razzmatazz, um, very similar to what Rug- Rugby League did in the Super League when they first started and Premier League to a point did. You make it all razzmatazz, you make it all amazing and incredible. That's kind of the, that's that's the way it would happen. Um, and then what possibly. generally happens is the unions then catch up and then almost take the thing over themselves because they don't I think lose the money. Probably, although it's, it's, it's slightly not quite as accurate analogy as I would probably like, is that what the ECB have done with the, this stupid tournament they're doing there. The 100. The 100 yeah, 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 yeah. Or more like what they've done in Australia with a big bash. Yeah. 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 Where, where um, they, yeah. yeah. I, it, it would happen, but I just, I cannot see there being that kind of money, man. I don't know if there's that place in it for... You've got billionaires controlling clubs in France, and you've got one over here in in Lansdowne at Bristol. So whoever would come along with that would have to have ridiculous money. I think yeah, one of the no, one I of the big know. one of the big sort of positives for it, I think is that as you say, like yeah, rug, rug union isn't that big in the north and such, but it is that because all the power clubs and all the support and the the value to go and watch your team is elsewhere like it you know it, it it takes a diehard supporter to go and watch newcastle week in week out i think in their ground but if you've yeah, got yeah. if you've got a big stadium that's got thirty thousand people in it every week and it's in the media all the time and it's a got a lot of money behind it and top players i think mm. that's that model is fine to a point and like but like ed said the problem is you need a kerry packer type person that model because of the reason you said snow it's only sustainable for so for as long as that person's interested as soon as they pull out the money, as soon as that money goes, it's it's built on a foundation of sand, isn't it? Because you've got that interest. As soon as it goes, you, I, well, that's you, professional I, rugby I, to a T, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, I, I think that's the point. I think what the way it happens now is there's two big things that are going to that we haven't even touched on yet. It's the impact of COVID long term on what the impact it does on finances, and I think the one that no one has really looked at and what the danger is is this dementia case. And what impact that has on on the shape mm. of rugby when it's those, these ex players? I I'm speculating because you don't know how serious that case is, how far it will go. But that could have a real. We already talk about the impact of red cards and the protecting of players. That is going to if there's payouts for dementia and all of those kind of things, that's going to have an even longer knock on effect. And that also mm. has an impact on if you're a potential investor and you're seeing this all this negative connotation around brain damage, dementia, and so on. It's, it, you're getting into ropey ground of, am I, am I going to invest billions in something that's got huge court case payouts? I think, before we go into detail on that one, like, to, to, link, to link it back to the previous point, I, I think what might kickstart something like that is you almost have to have a problem that you have to solve. Yep. And that problem is either that clubs are financially right on the edge, and that could be something that comes out of COVID long-term, we, we don't know yet, or that the national team is really, really struggling. Like if they do really badly, that's when they start to say, right, how can we completely change things up? Um, are mm. either of those going to happen? I'm, I'm not so sure. 
Um, but no, I think you, I th- need, you need a catalyst, that. don't you? Yeah. I think yeah. I think the um, so a couple of points on that, which we we'll, we'll, we'll keep on this. We're going to have to break in a second, um, just because of the limitations of Zoom, um, and we'll come back. So we'll keep talking about this because it is quite interesting. Um, uh, and Stanley was right. Uh, <laughs> it's a good it's a good sort of off the cuff discussion. But one of the things regarding regarding the dementia side of things, just briefly, I think the advantage in a way that the RFU and the rugby authorities have got is actually quite a limited time span. Yeah. that you're going to have to consider because realistically, because of the way the professionalism is changing, they're already kind of hot on it now. Um, it's realistically probably about 10, maybe 15 years, whereas, say, the NFL, you had 30 years. Even football, you know, you've got uh, cases from back in the 50s and 60s presenting themselves, and that's going to have a massive impact for them. The way um, litigation one- works in this country is very different to what they've had to deal with in the US. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. NFL as well. Uh, the one thing I would say, though, is the, the, the biggest change for me, and I think where you might we might start to see changes in terms of the way that the sport develops over the next 10 years is where the World Cups are held. So the next World Cup is in France, as we all know, because four of us are going. The World, yeah, Cup after that, the World Cup after that hasn't been decided yet. Now, the favourites, the strong favourites at the moment is South Africa. However, one of the bids, so the alternative is bids, is Russia. Uh, along a very similar model to their football World Cup. So that's that's a, potent, a potential. Um, the interesting one probably would be the end of the decade. So when we're looking at, you know, uh, 2031, so 10 years from now, um, I think America could be the destination yeah. at that point. And if America really does start to take a big interest in rugby. It is starting to develop a bit more than it ever has done before with, with the, um, the uh, Major League Rugby, where you might start to see a shift in power in terms of if they can offer big contracts, you've got a lot of guys over there who play American football that kind of leave, you know, they leave the system at the age of like, 22 23 they've got they've got some stadiums to fill haven't they yeah they've got exactly. big stadiums the but other it's... thing as well is you've got japan i mean loz mentioned um in a message on whatsapp about the optional tackling um i'm going to just bring it up now because it is it is it is quite funny the uh, some of the scores this weekend uh, from the japan top league and we'll then uh, pause and come back in a second and talk about this in more detail was uh, Monokata Sanix, 14, Toshiba Brave Lupus, 49, <laughs> Suntory Sungoliath, 94, Shining something or other, 31. Oh, no, say it, because this is good. This is no, I do, I do, it, just says, it just says Shining. It just says Shining A. I don't know what the A stands for. Toyota Toyota Verblitz, 25, Spears Kubota, 24. <laughs> Cannon Eagles seventy one, Green Rockets twenty four. Um, yeah, as tackling optional as we as, well, no, uh, as no, it's mentioned. probably just the most exciting attack that it depends on your it depends on your interpretation, doesn't it? Because that's how the Southern Hemisphere spin it. I think let's, let's be honest. That's that's basically very large South South Sea Islanders running at very small Japanese people. But isn't th- it? that lends itself. <laughs> I think that's another thing that we might see an impact Ed, just quickly is the Pacific Island islands having a super franchise going forward. It'll be interesting to see what, um, <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see what impact the Pacific islands having a super franchise has on people moving away on contracts quite cheaply. You know, that might have an impact. I don't know, but it's nice to see 
potentially, and I think this is the most interesting thing in the next 10 years, is how much the game does grow internationally. Because we've all argued for ages that you need to help these nations develop. And like you say, if the states start throwing money behind it, that might force people's hands massively. Mm. Right, we're going to pause now. We're going to come back and keep keep talking about this. We're then going to move on uh, in the second part of the pod, just some sort of funny, uh, entertaining European moments, good or bad. Um, And then we'll talk about the sale game. Okay, we're going to continue to talk uh, about some random uh, thoughts around what rugby is going to develop into in the next 10 years, sort of the professional rugby game. Um, as we left it, we were just talking about the growth of the world game. Um, do we see a potential expansion to a seven nation uh, rather than a six nations? Is that a possibility? Do we think that the uh, there's going to be changes in the World Cup. I mean, or is it? Or is it? Do you think it's going to be very not much in, the same? Not, not in ten years. I can't. I can't see the, the amount of money that's in the, the the Six Nations, especially. I cannot see that that those those money men, if you like, um, that that sort of back it. They won't want to dilute what they've got. It no. feels like the opportunity was a few years ago for that sort of last couple of World Cups when. Georgia had a lot of fans, you know, neutrals behind them saying they should be. I think if they were going to do it, it feels like that was the time to do there's, it. There's been so you, many missed opportunities. Have, yeah. And also, so logistics, but you'd have to go to two conferences as well because yeah. you, you, you've won six, six matches then. And then, you know, you, 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 you add another, so you've got five as it is, you add another team of six weeks and they like to have their weeks off in between the matches for player well, welfare, don't they? You've seen you know, with, with the women's Six Nations this year because of COVID and all the bollocks that they can make up and change off the back of that. They've, um, you know, got two conferences so you only play two games each and then you have a knockout. So England have won their two games. They've now got a bye week and then they'll go into the finals. So, so they'll go in the final final the the um the cup final if you like the and then they'll be probably yeah almost certainly um, and like then the and then it'll be the plate final and a shield final or however they do it um which kind of I I I get is a concept but it I mean did you see the did you see the results this week it was like sixty one it was forty to well the Welsh got annihilated. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, what is the point? It's no benefit to these developing nations. I, I was going to say, Jim, I think that's the problem now, isn't it? The Six Nations in the men's has almost gone the other way, where people are saying, oh, you just need to get rid of Italy, which I do feel, you know, it's difficult to know what to do. But for me, what I'd like to see is more the autumn international supporting developing nations and giving them an opportunity like you never see i think i mentioned before you never see england or people go to like uh fiji tonga Western yeah i think scotland, scotland went didn't work yes yeah, david they were the, the first that, though, Russ, is the reason why they don't and, and it's the money well yeah because actually when we, we talk about the rfu and the french rfu being incredibly wealthy but they're not really no i um, think and if they go, if they bugger, you know, if they bugger off down on tour to Fiji or Tonga, brilliant. And everyone's going to be, oh, I've been an amazing tour. But the problem is, is that they don't make any money from it. But all uh, yeah, bring and, them and, here. And, so- and it's not that they don't make any money. They lose money because they didn't have a game against New Zealand at Murrayfield. Yeah, I think the problem, I get all of that. I think it's, there feels like there's an element of, 
if you want to if you want to make money you have to speculate to accumulate don't you i, I appreciate there's an accountant here who can talk to you more about it than the fucking idiot who works in education um but you've got to start bringing people up because then that grows the game globally, doesn't it? And we talk about America though, and stuff. You've it's got, all about markets. That's the thing that, that you, yeah. going, playing, well, playing Tom Nigel Melville went to America. Oh, no, before, no, I, I appreciate that. It's, it's a sad fact, isn't it? That some, so you playing start Tonga, getting... Fiji, Samoa, it, it's great for people who love rugby, but, but not so great for the money. The market, the market itself, you know, you're only going to get the people who really love rugby in England and you're going to get the Samoan, Fijian, Tongans. Not, not so, a huge yeah. population. Okay, what, so there's... What they do need to do is, I, I agree with you there, so I do agree they have to do this, but you've got to kind of... I think, actually, they kind of stumbled upon something a little bit interesting with the Nations Cup in the autumn. I don't like the way they did it this time round, but I think it's an interesting concept in that you could have some of the more emerging nations playing maybe against England, Wales, Ireland, Scotland, et cetera, in yeah. that sort of format. I, I think that's more On it, a regular it, basis. You, you can't leave it four years, can you? Otherwise, you're going to have the same problem every time. So you need to find a way to develop, allow those nations more opportunity to have those games. Yes. Let's, well, let's my, question to, my, my question to that would be, is where do you play these extra internationals? Because well, they're not I, going to turn down playing the... the, the, the uh, Sansar com- countries. You're not going to turn down paying Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa no. as often as they can because they're the ones which feel picking them. And so this is, um, this is so- where that, that the, there was a discussion about, I want to say three years ago, four years ago, about having almost like a mini World Cup, wasn't so there, every yeah, two years? I- um, and and look, doing that, but I it, but I agree. Lost, thing, I would it? say what I'd say on that one is look at the interest when you add Ireland versus New Zealand in America. So you want you talk growth markets play them in these other areas you know get everyone to go to a place and have like georgia versus i don't know scotland in a in a neutral venue in america somewhere that will that starts marking it to casual fans a bit more we all know what the americans are they like to win so what's the point in having the usa versus new zealand new zealand put 80 points on them start having other games there that start showing them what the game could be about and then that appeals a little bit more the, the advantage of having ireland over there is great they've got expat irish population yeah. isn't there so yeah i mean that's the advantage there was a natural stadium pool of um, people that wanted to watch the game anyway. I'm, I'm, marking it I'm thinking we could go to Vegas for the sevens if we get a sponsor. <laughs> well, to be fair, um, Chris Robshaw is like having San to Diego, play all his games. But yeah, so he's in San Diego, but their camp has been moved to Las Vegas because of COVID yeah. reasons. So they're so, so and I think a couple of the other teams are there as well. So basically, like half of the um, Major League Rugby is now in Vegas. So, I mean, that would be fun, wouldn't it? You know, I'm surprised we haven't got more uh, English players thinking, yeah, I could go for the money in France, but nah, let's go to the States. I think that's right, though, is we need to be targeting where the potential audience is, yeah. not necessarily just supporting the, the smaller clubs. Um, so, for example, Georgia, up-and-coming team. Now, I, I do agree that there should be some sort of promotion relegation. We should be trying to give those teams a chance to do better. But are Georgia ever going to be massively bring the game forward in terms of viewing figures? Is that a big potential captive audience? Maybe it is. I don't know enough about Georgia. But you've got, you think in the US, 
like yeah you, you're right that that island game was just full of irish fans but i think new zealand played three games out there they played the us as well and the crowds were really good so anyone in the us that had any interest in rugby went to that um, i think tickets were only like ten dollars or something so they yeah. they maxed out the stadium that's the way to do it um and then when that does become big enough there that's when you get us versus pacific islands and they actually get quite a big crowd and you start to get this like second tier of international rugby that yeah. is as interesting to watch as your england new zealand ireland which is a sort of traditional set of 10 teams which isn't going to change isn't going to bring more fans to the game it, it's just yeah. so it, it's about improving the second tier yeah. rather than just inviting the second tier in quite the first that's it exactly yeah, yeah i mean i've yeah, just sensible. I just looked at the Rugby Championship for 2018, which was the lower tier six nations. And you're right, Snowy, the, the average attendance per match was 10,000 people. So I think the Georgia Romania had big attendances, but it looks like on average, yeah, you're not talking a big audience over there, are you? Which, however you feel about growing the game, it's like you said, you've got a target audience where you've got that potential to grow. If you're going yeah, to I mean, you, you target developing markets, don't you? So maybe the likes of like Eastern Europe is long term, but there's like, there, it feels like there's some low hanging fruit that we need to be targeting yeah. in, in the next 10 years. You know, like Ed's already said, America, there's so much money there. There's so much ability. And, it, and it, you know, I think Nigel Melville, when he was over there, targeted this before he got access to their database of players. Like you, you think NFL, if you don't make it in American football, there's very little place to go. And he did some weird search where it was like people who could run sub 10 seconds over six foot five. And there was something like 600 people already in that category. And like he said, if you could start teaching them to catch and pass a ball, you were halfway to building an okay side. And that's what's, where they targeted sevens. What's interesting actually about Americans, the American rugby. And again, it kind of feeds into this, this the way that I think that I think it probably will develop. And they, it's been one of, it's been a bit like a, a, for people who like football, Pele famously said that uh, an African team would win the world cup before the year 2000s. They didn't. Um, and there's this kind of ongoing thing with African football and whether they will end up, you know, eventually break that barrier and get through to a semi-final or a final. And it's been a similar story with America because you can see the data shows it, the stats show it. There are a lot of people, as I said, there are, you know, hundreds of thousands of people who stop playing American football at the age of 22 because college finishes. Um, they are, they've got, a, 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 you've got a lot of people there that, are able to are very good sports and athletes and sportsmen. Um, but the other aspect of it is recently is that because American football is so um, like tactically prescribed, you know, everything is down to a T. You can't, you can't duke right or duke left. You have to do what the coach says. And one of the things that's actually appealed to a lot of people is that rugby union is, is seen as almost a, a more exciting and interesting sport because you have got an individual ability. You can decide I'm going to go and try and make a break here, or I'm going to kick, or I'm going to pass. And you don't have some coach saying this yeah, is what more, you need to do. More live decision making. Yeah, and, a, and 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 it. I think what you might find over the next certainly sevens. I I, I would assume because also they've got Olympic funding now. You probably will see that ever increasing um, step towards gold medals and, and and really targeting that side on the sevens. Yeah. And then that will it will eventually spill over um, into the 15s. I think I I think it would be brilliant, brilliant to have a World Cup in America. It'd be absolutely incredible because yeah. they they I mean they wouldn't have a clue what's going on most of them. Um, 
but it would be a brilliant spectacle. Um, I mean, that was 1994 in the football back then. Yeah, I'm looking it? for Di- I'm looking forward to Diana Ross missing <laughs> a drop goal in front of the posts. I'm really looking forward to that. I, I think where they could where <laughs> it could really be an be well where they could really target sort of getting those uh, American football players in is when they go to college. They they have to hit certain grades to be able to go to certain colleges, but. Mm. They always find a way to get the best players into the college, right? Yeah. They, have it really, they do communication studies and stuff and get really low grade averages. Yeah. And then there's a big thing. A lot of NFL money is put into trying to set up support for players who don't make the NFL. So yeah. even, even if they get drafted, there's then a ridiculous stat about how many after their after like the second season, then leave and have to just get a, a normal dead-end job. And there aren't many other options for them because usually the standard of education and their actual qualifications that they've got in university have just been a bit of a, a put to one side because the whole yeah. focus was on, can I make it in the NFL? But if there's a, a second sport that is attractive from a financial perspective, they go, no, if you don't make it in the NFL, we've got these pathways open to go and join one of our professional rugby clubs. Yeah. It's not, it's not NFL money, but it's enough to just about survive on. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you could even NFL. Yeah. NFL putting partnering. money into it. You've only and got having to a franchise. And, yeah. yeah. And you've only got to look at they're dead naturally athletic at that level, aren't they? Because a lot of them are multi-sport players. Like there'll be basketball, and baseball, and yeah, yeah. football or baseball. So they, there's a, there's a precedent there for how they could transfer their skills there. I mean, what people don't realize is if you haven't been to the States, you don't realize the level of how big college football is. So that, you know, it's, it's, it's on a level equivalent to a premier league. Bigger than game. the NFL in crowd It is sizes. bigger. Yeah. And I mean, some of the stadiums, so some of the biggest stadiums in America are college football stadiums. And there is, there are like, you know, nearly 90,000, a hundred thousand people. Going Ohio, to Ohio, Ohio State is 120,000. Yeah. So you're going to watch a game of basically uh 19 year old, 20, 20, 21 year old guys who don't get paid by the way, <laughs> they don't get, they don't get any money for this. And it's 110,000 people. So the, the demand for so like sports and that sort of thing is just incredible. I mean, the only thing I would say that, that what would worry me in from an English point of view is if if they ever get their act together and start making it like a really big sport in America, and it would take a long time to do this, but you could, take quite, you could quite easily see them take over. Easily take over. I think um, that's a long way away, though. But you, um, you know, the, the, the truth of the matter is, rugby needs money from somewhere, doesn't it? You know, yeah. to keep it going, and that's why I, 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 I can take on what what Snowy was saying. But I think that links me back. I think the one thing I can probably say with certainty is, within ten years, if you look at if Gloucester are still going, I guarantee within 10 years, our average league position will still be ninth. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. We'll be building something, won't we? Yeah, we'll still be building. So in 10 years, do we think we would have won the league? We haven't changed the coaching staff. No, because well, in 10 I mean, years, he'd, 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 have had, he'd there, have had his no, chance to build in 10 years' time. Well, we, haven't, we didn't win the league in the last 20 years, so... Yeah, but we Let's haven't be given honest. anyone chance to build. We the, the only way that's gonna the only way that's gonna happen, if you want a serious answer, right, is if we get a Lansdowne type backer who is here for the long haul, who is gonna put the money in and is going to develop the club. 
in that way. You can talk about the fairness of the salary cap and all of that, but you need someone there who can let who allows you to year on year build and stay at that level of we're, we're in Liverpool though of rugby aren't we so even if we do win it I don't think we're even the season that. after I would say <laughs> I don't think we're anyone if we're anyone if we're anyone we're Newcastle who think they are a big club but their results Beats. say otherwise well Leeds oh. beat Man City didn't they so <laughs> oh, you know. anyway um <laughs> yeah. right stop the football talk we'll stop the football channel yeah. um we're going to move on now to the uh to an, another bit of the pod um which is just sort of just general re- european favorite moments and stuff we did cover this before but there's quite a gold mine i think and i'm going to start off with uh a couple of moments that i've forgotten about um and funny enough one of them came watching football and it was where a player like got touched in the face and went down like he'd been like snipered and I instantly thought of Olivier Azam versus Cardiff in a group I'm game. There. Tom James, wasn't it? Tom James. And that, that, um, that hideous headbutt. Oh, the, the vicious assault, yeah. The, uh, the, it was, oh, I he was lucky awful. to survive. He was, he was lucky to survive. But yeah, Olivier Azam bought, the, bought a red card. Um, and um, that, that, that did us a load of good. We still bloody, we still lost. bloody lost, yeah. But it's, I mean, it's so unlike him. Because he, if you, if you're gonna say to anyone, look, if you, if you, if you get something that could be a card, just make sure the referee knows it. Don't retaliate. Azam, every single day of the week, he's gonna punch a bloke square in the face, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so, so for Azam to do it, it's like fuck. That's like it must have just not hurt him at all. <laughs> yes, uh, it was. It did make me laugh though, because yeah, you're right. Because you know, I mean, Oli Azam at times, him and a few other players of that era could start a fight with themselves in a phone box. Um, you know, they didn't need that much of a, a antagonization to start. And yet, yeah, it was the one player that decided to take a dive, um, that was, so that was just, I thought it was quite, I just remembered it the other day and I thought, oh yeah, he did, didn't he? He did take a dive. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, and the other one I thought, it was kind of when Snowy was talking about the, um, the Cardiff game. Um, and the, the you know the, and the fact it was on telly and it was six million people watching and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it was a game we played against uh, uh, Biarritz. Um, and the reason I remember it, it was because I decided to play uh, combination cut rugby that afternoon <laughs> evening, and uh, typical me managed to get injured. And I had to watch the entire game with basically a sanitary pad on my face. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so that, and we lost, and then I had to go to. Must not play. make the obvious comment because. No, please don't. No, no, uh, no, one's, no one's dropped the C bomb yet. No, um, but also, um, yeah, but then I had to go and watch that. We had to watch, I had to watch the entire game. We lost, and then I had to go and get stitches at hospital. So that was fun. Um, you guys, have a go. Any sort of memorable things you can think of? I think one for me is fairly recent. Is um, you t- the tries or results? I always think the one that was good was when we went and won in Connaught, and the the rumours are he's leaving. Is was Henry Trinder's try? Where, oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. know that that felt to me like one of those. It was a game where I don't think it was a give me for us to win. And I oh, just remember that one. Yeah. It was one of those ones where you watched it on commentary and 
if anyone is going to wax lyrical about how good a sidestep is, it was you is and it's Brian O'Driscoll. It's a mm. good sidestep, and I just remember your memory kind of imagined Trins made that step and took about six people over the line, but it was just one of those ones that it was a hell of a finish, and you know the rumours are he's leaving, but it was one of those ones where he kind of lived up to the potential he'd always promised. And it was just, it, it, I remember it being quite a good result for us as well. Uh, yeah, game. it was, I have vague recollections of also, um, I think it was uh, Snowy's favourite fullback uh, deciding to, rather than kick the ball out, deciding to yeah. uh, keep the ball in play with about five seconds to go. <laughs> Um, causing every single person in Gloucester. No, it Arsenal. wasn't five seconds ago. It, it, it was beyond. It was got. Oh, it was beyond 80. the time. No, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. 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 And it, he then went and got tackled, didn't he? But always yeah. turned the ball over. We yeah. just got in the lead. Yeah. Yeah. Who was my favourite Who's your favourite fullback? Woodward. Jason Woodward. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think he's the fans on their toes. Yeah. True. Yeah. He's not my favourite. No, that, that, that was very much. I think Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, but no, I don't, I don't think he's that bad. No, <laughs> I think yeah, the thing Europe for me, Europe, and one of my favourite memories was our trip to Leon, because to me, the Europe is not necessarily just about the the memories you have on of the games is the memories you make and the it was us idiots yeah you, you, <laughs> to be honest we you, you don't go to watch Gloucester play away in Europe expecting memorable moments on the pitch do you let's be honest I mean, to be fair, think, that was a benefit because were, Gloucester weren't playing that weekend yeah exactly we yeah. but it was one of those ones where <laughs> the, just the trip itself was fun and then the other one like that Ed was when we went to La Rochelle back when La Rochelle weren't a big side no. the road trip and yeah, that, that was, was a fun game I think that's one of the last games I remember where we went on the pit you could get on the pitch yes, after you could, the game yeah. and yeah. so my wife I'm not going to go into detail on it had a thing for Leslie Vinicolo and it made her a weekend to be able to go onto the pitch after and be able to chat with him and got a photo and we saw them in the bar and we had a really long chat with Paul Doran Jones after Did, the yeah. game. And it's it, so my that's from my, my one of my favorite European memories is there's a guy we all know, probably won't say his name, but everyone will know. Please him. do. No, please no, do. So Dave Ryland. So I'd gone into the loo and I was next to him. And Dave Ryland was absolutely hammered. And Will James comes in to have a wee. And Dave Ryland, without missing a beat, turns and goes, Will James, mate, I'd shake your hand, but I'm having a piss. And just, just <laughs> on like that. And that, that for me was those kind of memories that you got in it. And it was, you know, it was still professional, but it was right on the cusp, wasn't it? Where that you were just out. We were out. We had no idea the lads were going to turn up into that bar, but you were able to to mingle. And I'll fly a half at the time there. Do you remember? He, you know, probably, we probably can't mention what he was like on that night. He, he was, he was he, just know. chatting away to a lovely lady. Or two. Oh, oh yeah, right. chatting away to a lovely lady. Dropped the boy who was in awe of him, talking to him like a lead balloon when he got the eye of the lovely lady. But yeah, he did. yeah. My my favorite thing about the Leon trip though is the, uh, and I'll come to Los now in a second. But my favorite thing about the Leon trip is the, <laughs> is still, it's still, uh, and this gives me an insight into the, the the drive home. But the, but no, we the, don't talk about that. <laughs> the stopping off at the services because Russ had drunk some some awful drink uh, or something. And we, we had a steak the night before. We had quite a lot of uh, meat. Um, 
and I won't go into graphic detail, but Russ was struggling a little bit and um, we decided to stop off at her services and it was one of the long drop toilets for a start. And then the shout, the plaintive cry from the toilet of, oh, for fuck's sake, they haven't got any toilet paper. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was literally the old school French toilets. Yeah, long drop. Yeah. Bast- you bastards yeah. deliberately avoided all the decent services and dropped me at the truck stop. Jesus, honestly, it's like honestly, it was like that one will stay with me like a war story. You know, I just go, I just go into a different place and stare off into the distance. To give, to give, to give our to give our listeners a bit of additional context to this, so Lawrence, uh, myself, um, Snowy, and Wills, who isn't part of the pod, Jim wasn't on this trip, so Jim's gonna have to make hops for all this stuff when we go to the World Cup in a couple of years' time. But uh, we were we, we were sort of sat around or stood around the car. And of course, we could hear these sort of plaintive cries coming through. And I, this poor this French bloke just pulled up, and all he found was four uh, English blokes at, like rolling on the floor, laughing and crying, laughing. Couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe. Could not breathe. It was the best, just the best bit was it was really plush services about ten miles. Yeah, ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I said to him, "Oh no!" And everyone's going to pull in. I said, "Oh mate, it's shut for refurbishment." It wasn't. It was just Russ had been dropping his guts in and annoying us all the way back. I feel so it was burping as well. I just I remember yeah. Snowy opening so the window got, all the time, so I couldn't so we stop just got, burping. We just got our revenge as yeah. soon as we saw some services which looked like they were literally a shithole. It was one of the more entertaining things. That and the, uh, I say, Russ, Russ and I have been on a few trips. So uh, La, La Rochelle was one where um, the uh, <laughs> the combined um, might of myself, uh, Russ, and our friend was decided to take us towards the German border uh, rather than rather than La Rochelle. That was a that was a crack. Completely start. the opposite way. Totally the opposite Jim, way. Jim and I have been on a few trips as well, and. Um, Jim, can you remember Connor? Connor, Connor was a very we. we Me well, and my old man when, when we gate crashed that wedding. That was our hotel, and they just got, kept on buying us drinks. And we would, but they had a, they had a ring of dancing. They pulled, we were just stood there. We didn't realize it had been cordoned off. That area. They, oh, come on, join! So they pulled us into this next thing. You know, my dad's doing a proper dad dance in the middle of this bloody um, wedding um, uh, party, <laughs> right in the middle of the ring of all the guests. But I think, um, I think, like you were saying, it, it is definitely those European trips, and that's maybe why you know we've fared so poorly in the Heineken Cup over the years, is because the players treat it as a bit of a holiday, like the fans do. Um, but I mean, I remember after we lost to Munster in the Miracle Match in what was that, two thousand two, two thousand three, and I'm in, and I'm Four. in the um, three, three thousand three, yeah, the first, first time we played them. Um, and I'm in the, the nightclub Sinbin, Pete Close's yeah. um, bar, and I'm dancing and I'm next to Peter Stringer on the dance floor thinking, well, look at the size of him. I could have been a professional rugby player. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's kind of, I don't think it would happen now that I would be, you know, in a nightclub dancing next to, you know, a hundred, yeah, well, a hundred cap internationals. Hundred, you got a hundred cap international. You know, in his in his uh, match blazer, in a nightclub, absolutely smashed, just like everyone else. And I just think, 
that it, it was almost a hark back to the amateur days in a very non-amateur tournament. You know, it was, mm. and and I really, really miss that. I don't think yeah, I we're think ever going to get that again. Social media is a thing, isn't it? Because if they did, someone every, would have every their phone. Every would be out with their phone recording it. They'd be getting in people's faces, trying to get, you know, some sort of um, reaction. Just yeah. reaction. And actually, that's not what it was. It was all about, you know, oh, well played today. You boys did great. You know, congratulations. All the best for the, you know, all the best for the quarterfinal. You know, and then for the wankers. And, and <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was kind of how it went. There was there was just a bit of respect, wasn't there? You know, from the fans. The fans very rarely took it too far either. I mean, mm. you kind of because you appreciate that you want to get your was selfies weren't really a thing back then. But you know, it was just you want to get your moment maybe with a with a player. You want to give him. 15 seconds of your time and say hello but then after that's done then you appreciate you're, you're going to walk off and, and do your own thing well one thing i would say about the european memories i said i've been on quite a few trips and i've watched us have a, a quite a few disappointing results so i can categorically say at no stage no matter how bad the rugby result has been has it ruined the trip for me yeah. I've no, always no, had I, such no. a great time away. Well, yeah, even, I remember, you know, the miracle. I was at the miracle match. I was at the one the second year. The, the, yeah, the following year, I was year in the second that. one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I, I really, really fancied us um, to get the result that second year. And uh, when, we when lost no one had ever won that, I mean, yeah. Yeah. no one had ever won at Toman, had they? Except Munzer, obviously. Yeah, I, I and, think. Uh, it's yeah. gutting, isn't it? it you, yeah, you got this. You were disappointed, but then you went and got on with it. I didn't go to either of those. I remember going to Leinster. I'm thinking we had a chance with where Jack Adams stepped to the absolute. I, I was going to say Grisco. that was that was one of the ones I had in my head. Actually, which was uh, the Jack Adams for the first 20 minutes against Leinster. We looked that like we were the greatest team in the world. Pisses me <laughs> there off. There was a couple of refereeing decisions. Yeah, that was a wrong, exactly what's about. The bit that turned that game is we had a driving mall going on. We we're steamrolling to their line, and somehow the mall got it. And I was at the other end of the stadium. It's the most blatant collapse more I've ever seen. And they went the fucking length of the pitch, and Hickey scores under the posts. The whole way that they went the length, Bortolom is jogging alongside the ref because he knows he can't better spitting blood at him for like, you know, come on, collapse more. But it was one of those ones you could have But the Knights out were awesome, like in the Temple Bar and that. But, you know, that was us away. There were a couple of games where a couple of decisions and it, it swung. Obviously, the Miracle Match doesn't fall into that category. But Well, well decisions it, by it players would have, yeah. It, it kind yeah. of does because actually we were only uh, one decision on the, on the field away from doing enough, not to win, but to go through. Yeah. That would be the yeah. most Gloucester story ever, wouldn't it? Get pumped, kick a penalty. So we lose by loads, but do just enough. I, that, I yeah. think the most Gloucester story ever is um, sending a load of kids to Leon, get a hammer in, decide, decide to turn up for 40 minutes against Ulster, and then COVID get us through to this last round of 16 or whatever <laughs> you want to call it. I think that's I those are my least favourite memories of Europe, are the ones where... As a fan, you've paid a lot of money, given up a lot of your time to go abroad and you get over there and then you see the team they've put out. And that's a more recent thing where it's like, basically, we don't think we're going to win this, but thanks for forking out and spunking a load of money. Oh, yeah. I, 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 went, I went to, to, to Borguan. 
and the French did it, and I was really chuffed because you know, like, we, <laughs> well, we, we had a great yeah. game. We, we, we gave Bourguin yeah. a good beating. We were well, chuffed that we they to, didn't we, care. And we went to Munster, um, what six or seven years ago? I forget who was. I think it was Laurie Fisher might have been the coach, and that was a really piss poor Munster team at the time. Um, we we almost almost got something out of it with um, Tim Taylor, the likes of that at fly mm. No, not knocking Tim Taylor. But just what I'm saying is he was never first choice. And if we put out the first our first choice full strength side, we probably would have beaten that Munster side on that day. We, we, um, yeah. And we just we, we it was just so frustrating. It was like, oh, Tolman, we're not going to get any results there. And and that 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 really really when when that happens, and it seems to happen. One of the reasons I haven't been on a European trip for a while now. I appreciate it because of COVID at the moment. But what but what put me off going on tri- European trips is. With all the costs, you're talking. You're yeah. probably going to spend three hundred quid in, or three hundred plus quid on drink over there. It's going to cost you that in accommodation and um, flights and, and match ticket. So you're talking north of five, six hundred quid for them to send the reserves and a A league side over to play a game, which potentially, you know, this is the Champions Cup. They should be taking it serious, and, yeah. and it, it does. It does. Um, that's one of the reasons I've, I've not bothered actually making the effort in the last few years. COVID aside. Uh, right, Snow's been really quiet and he's only got two minutes to go, so he's obviously hiding something. Well, uh, mate, your favourite? Favorite? Well, it's good. good. Well, it's sort of turned into a favourite year away trips, hasn't it? So I'd say mm. my two favourites were probably Leinster away, which was a really good performance, and that Leinster were very good then. Yeah, we yeah. were a bit of a developing side then when we had Jack Ghost Adams in the centre. Yeah, he scored a hell of a try. Yeah, that's yeah. Brilliant try. Like the, my vivid memory of that game. That was a really good um, game away. The other one was um, uh, any away trip in Toulouse is always good. Um, <laughs> always very messy. I remember getting onto the, the KSM bus ready to go to the game. And I stepped onto the bus and looked around and said, oh, sorry, I'm looking for the Gloucester rugby coach, I'm not the Saga coach. <laughs> and that didn't endear, that didn't endear me to the rest of the KSM supporters trip that much before we uh, before we headed off to the stadium, but it did get a few laughs. I, I do um, remember going to the Colomier the first because we played Colomier back in two thousand and one, uh, and on the bus, the KSM bus, or as it was then, the Gloucester Rugby Supporters bus, uh, somebody knocked out a bottle, of, not literally uh, drank an entire bottle of tequila from the hotel, pretty much to the game. With worm. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, and your other one, Snowy. Go on, sorry, mate. I don't that, that was it, those two. Yeah, yeah, probably my two, two highlights. Uh, right, we're going to f- finish off like a five, ten minute chat just about the cell game that's coming up um, and just a brief talk about Henry Trinder uh, before we finish. <laughs> Final bit of the podcast this week. Uh, we're going to just touch on uh, the departure of Henry Trinder. Um, I'm not sure again if it's the end of the season or or if no, it's like it's now. now. It's I think now. it's now, it's isn't now. it? He's going to Van to hopefully get them promoted to the uh, top 14. Um, uh, I think they're in a sort of a, a shootout really with Perpignan, from what I can I can gather. Um, I, I mean, let's be fair. He's he's been an incredible player for Gloucester, but unfortunately, we've never really got the best of him because of just consistent injuries and and not even just the same injury, just different injuries to various parts yeah. of his body. Um, He's been an unlucky boy. 
But on his day, one of the most amazing centres we've probably had in the last and, 10 years. And until recently, he was on four, under Ackerman. He had a really good season, didn't he? The one yeah. alluded to with the Connor. It's, it's only recently that he seems to have, you know... He just, just can't get fit, can he? Run out of his time. Um, yeah, course, he, he was... If it was part of that part of a team, wasn't he, where it looked like we could just create anything in attack um, yeah. across the back line with when he was linked up, he linked up really well with Iron Lamb in for a period. Um, yeah, very very exciting. And when he did have a run without injury, he quite quickly got onto the England radar, didn't he? And yeah. then it was injury again that that took him off. So yeah, very unfortunate. Um, and he um, he stuck around to be fair, hasn't he? And I think we've stuck by him as well and given him given him those chances. But it feels like it feels right, you know. His contract's up for a year at the end of this season. Yeah, I I wouldn't have thought looking at our backline for next season it would be renewed, or it would be renewed at, at such a low amount. He's towards the end of his well, not only the end of his career, but. So yeah, so another two years, years at best, probably more likely two. two. I mean, any, any sort, any sort yeah. of financial security option you're going to take on it. Yeah, exactly. I, I guess there's actually, the thing with the with France as well. They got that um, lucrative injury cover that you get paid for three years after you retire due to injury as well, don't you? And I think it's actually you retire. I don't even think it's injury, yeah. injury retirement. Yeah. I think it's, so, it's yeah. And I, I think from us, I think Seabrook coming in and developing as well as he has in the centre. I mean, he made that break a few weeks ago and it felt a very Trinder-esque break where he just kind of glided his way through. I, I wonder how much that's kind of been like, well, we don't, we've got a player in line who can offer similar, mm. whether he will or not, obviously remains to be seen, but. I think yeah, we're well we're well stocked at centre, aren't we? Because we, yeah. we only lose the one at international time. I think the um, trouble, the, the well, worry with centre, we touched it last week, wasn't it? There's rumours of a few centres going. It, so it, it's one of those things. If we lose Trinidad, in, Atkinson, and Twelve Trees, that's a big loss. Yeah. That's that. That's that. Yeah. You suddenly yeah, 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 you've yeah. gone from a lot of cover to not a lot of cover. Yeah, I, lose, I, I would really hope Trinder, we keep Atkinson. Yeah, if we lose Trinder, but we keep keep Atkinson, then it's like well. That's the yeah. Well, wow, without, without wanting to be disrespectful to Trinder, who's uh, in his pomp far far better, I think. Hopefully, um, if we he's, keep... he's the younger, you know, more more poten- There's more potential there. Yeah, definitely. Well, there there is if there's a clause in his contract that guarantees at least one player a game stays on his shoulder when he makes a break. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's that for yeah, me yeah, feels yeah. what needs to be added in. Well, yeah. we've mentioned it enough times now. So yeah. you think well, we... you think you hope, wouldn't you, that the penny would any... Well, yeah, if a Gloucester player has ever listened to this podcast, could you, t- could you tell <laughs> oh, your mates? Do you mean they don't know, Avidly? Because we speak so fondly of Getting back on point with Trinder, it, it, it's been one of the saddest things us. At Gloucester, I think, in my memory, is how many many games he's missed. Because yeah. if, if he not got injured, and fair play to him, he's come back from every one as well. And he's came back a couple of times, he came back better than ever as well, mm. and then unfortunately got hurt. But just you just think, if he had hardly had any injuries, how, how good a player he could have been with that continued game time and development. Yeah. Without the interruptions, you just thinking he probably could have made it as an international. He was that good. I I, believe, I agree, Lars. He was one of those players who just, when he was on form, he just made it look effortless. That try where he set up twelve trees against Worcester, where he just 
ghosted mm. through. It, it yeah. didn't feel like there was a break there, and he just made it look easy. The, 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 I remember Ugo Monia talking, you know, he was absolutely raving about him when he came back and scored those tries against uh, Harlequins in the big match, whatever they called it, at Twickenham. Yeah. And the, the, then when his hammy went, when he was 15 metres out on the second try, and just Ugo sounded absolutely heartbroken because yeah. he just, he, he said, he just said how great a player he was. He was just devastated for him. It's, it's. I think that that's the thing. It's, it's. There's, there's players that you, we didn't see the best of because they moved on. People like Dimitri Yashvili. I'd say Anthony Allen was another one. There's players who we didn't see the the best of because of injury. And I think Trinder is definitely one of those. And I think every single Gloucester fan would, um, give him their best wishes. Hope that they get Van uh, promoted. I think it'll be the first time they've ever been in the top in the top fourteen. So. Um, you know, they're um, top at the moment, aren't they? They're top at the moment. Yeah. They, they've got a again a similar. I think it's a similar situation to. Um, uh, do they have a promotion playoff now? In, it is. In, I think. Uh, I, th- I think it is. Where is it? Hang on. Uh, one gets promoted automatically, and then I think the second yeah. team but gets. Is it not, is it's the, the, the French league has absolutely got what we want in 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 England because you know you've got their third division that is still pretty professional and has got quality sides, their entire second division is full of quality and lots of teams that are looking for promotion. And then the top 14 itself is just the cream, isn't it? So I think it's, you know, there's, there's a lot more money in France. Um, They, I mean, God, the last two weekends, just all the stadiums I've been in awe of, I thought um, the, um, Stad Rochelet Stadium was just incredible. All you know, with all the black and yellow seats, it's, they mm. look kind of eerie, being empty. Um, and that's something that I've definitely noticed that they don't fuck around with multicolored seats to make a half-empty stadium. <laughs> you know, the, the stadiums in France that they just build them. They don't care about the CO2. They just loads of concrete, build a big stadium, and they're really, really impressive. And I think. You know, you, you, you can't help but as a as a player, you know, if you if you pop down to Bordeaux or Toulouse or um, Clermont or whatever, you know, as a prospective player, you, you, you look at these stadiums that you're gonna potentially be playing in and you're like, Oh yeah, yeah, I wanna play here. Yeah. Yes, Lawson. So just to, just to say going from what Jim was saying about the uh, their second tier is 16 teams yeah. and Van are top with 95 points ahead of Perpignan who've played in the Champions mm-hmm. Cup on 94 Biarritz Olympique with 77 who we've played Colomier are in uh, yeah. fourth who we've played Oyana who we've played in the Challenge Cup are fifth Grenoble are sixth who we've played in the Challenge Cup eighth are Bézier uh, ten are Montauban eleven are Montemarsan uh, played fifteenth yeah. Yeah, I think we played all of those. And 15th at Orlac, which is where Ludovic Mercier came from. And we also signed Paddy McAllister from. And you, yeah. you've been, um, you, two of them are, are Perpignan have a very, and Beeritz both have very high Champions Cup pedigree. Beeritz yeah. have played, lost to Munster, didn't they, in the final? Yeah. I think Beeritz have lost and, two finals. And Perpignan mm. is a hell of a rugby region. Yeah, mm. the the yeah, the, it is. I mean, it, it's amazing. Um, right, we'll finally move on then uh, to the the sale game this weekend. Um, I'll start with Snowy. What do you reckon, mate? Because they got an absolute pasting this weekend. Do you think they're going to be there for the picking? 
No, I think we're going to lose. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's that type of confidence that we go. We love in this yeah. pod. Yeah, there was quite a few positives out of our last game, wasn't there? And consistently over the last 18 months, whenever we've felt like we've done quite well, we've then just gone back to the same old crap the next week. So Yeah, so you're, just, you're covering your right. ass there. I, I, I mean, the benefit is we have got a much better team to pick from now. We've got, got yes, the, I agree uh, with that. the internationals yeah. back. And, you know, class is permanent and some of the we have got enough quality in the team as i've said many times before our player by player our team is not lacking we should be doing a lot better than we are so i think we've got enough quality if say aren't quite on their game that we can win trouble is the standard of our actual play and our game plan is not up there and i don't expect to see that drastically improved um one week to the next but you know uh, they've had a couple of weeks with the team hopefully they have another week off um and maybe we'll see some some shape and some structure, and I'll be proven wrong. I hope so. Uh, Jim, yeah, I, I think Sanderson will have just put a fucking rocket up the sales <laughs> sale boys' asses. To be honest, um, they they were incredible last week, and they weren't this week. And I don't know whether that's just the opposition or what, but I thought they were played really really well last week. Um, and if they play anything like that. They will beat any English seed, you know, Exeter, whoever. Um, I, maybe they haven't got another one of those sorts of games in them, and I, I kind of hope that they don't. Uh, but I, I think the, the the risk now we've we've got to that point in the season where um, teams like Exeter now, um, certainly Sale, they are now out of Europe, so that they can just focus 100% Tile in the league now, yeah. on, on, on the Premiership. And yeah. I think um, I think for a team like Sale, I think maybe Exeter could have um, battled on both fronts, but Sale probably would struggle. And now they don't need to. Now they will focus the 100%. Yeah. 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 Uh, Loss? Yeah, I don't fancy this, I'm afraid. I know it sounds very negative, but pretty much the points that um, Snowy and Jim have made pretty much spot on for me. Sanderson, he, they, they, they've got a good coach there. He's he's won it all with Saracens, and you know, and he was their main man there. So you know, it, it, it's it's not like they're rebuilding from scratch. They were building and building and building under Steve Diamond, and now Sanderson's coming, and it's been almost like seamless, hasn't it? You know, it, it, they they carried on going in the right the correct direction. They're mm. right at the top of the league, and you just can't see Sanderson allowing them to have the same performances this week, two weeks on the trot. Um, I think we're a capable side. I just, and as Snowy said, uh, player by player, I think we got, a, uh, as we got a top four team. I, I do believe that. The trouble is, is our coach, whereas you've got some coaches, certainly Steve Diamond was one who got more than some of the parts before their recent South African influx players, um, before they found some money. Um, he got more than the sum of their parts. Um, unfortunately, our coaches seem to get less than the sum of the parts out of our players. Um, and that's probably why we are doing, we've done so poorly all season. I know we've had a lot of injuries, but ultimately it's, we, we, our game plan is questionable. We kick the ball away far too often. Um, we're having to make more tackles than any other team because we don't do possession. And I, I just think a team like Sale, who... In theory, with the size their pack will get parity up front at very least. I think they will their 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 game plan and now some experience that they've got through this season of winning games 
will be good enough that certainly King's own factor, even when we got fans in, has never been something that's bothered them because they've got a pretty decent record down here, certainly in recent years. So, I, I yeah, I'm afraid I don't see us winning. Uh, Russ? Okay, now to me to be positive. Um, right, I'll do it at the end. It's fine. I think, I think for me, let's be honest, we've got fuck all left to play for this season now. Um, and that that worries me because I don't think we're necessarily a side that plays well when there's nothing on the line. Mm. What I'd like, what I would like to see is let's take it, let's take it out as a positive. We've got nothing to play for. I'd like to see some of those criticisms we and concerns we've had put to bed. I'd like to see us actually create some chances. I'd like to see us have a go, try and win. But do other lads agree? I don't think. I just I can't see us doing it. I can't see Sale struggling for two weeks in a row and. We're going to have to play like we did against La Rochelle. Our pack are going to have to match them physically and neutralise their pack. If we do that, we've got a chance. But it's not about the win for me. It's about seeing some signs of development. And I just, I still have all the same concerns we've talked about that I don't think our coaches bring the best out of the players as the rest of the lads have alluded to. And I don't mm-hmm. see that changing in two weeks, to be honest. Um, so I'm my, just, my... I just, sorry, sorry to try, I just realised this. Uh, my mistake is on their cabbage patch, not our pitch. Yeah, I was going to say actually, to be fair, I, I, I wasn't going to correct you. On that. I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily notice that loss. But um, I mean, in terms of our, we we were, we really should have beaten them at home earlier in the season. That was one of those games where, in a, we had a string of those games where we were losing with the last play of the game, and which we did in that particular one. Um, and my memory of that game was it was silly mistakes that cost us that game. Um, that, funny enough, the, despite us winning consistently up at Haywood Road um, when they played there. Uh, we didn't then beat them at Edgley Park. We struggled to beat them at the new ground, but we've last few years won a couple. So that, that factor has now disappeared. Um, we beat them last season um, at the beginning of the season with a bit of a fluky one. Yeah, that, that, yeah. Was, a, that, was, a, that was a bit of a lucky a fluky win. one, but at the end of the day... They, went, was... on to be, they went on to be in really, really good form after that. Yeah, um, but at the same time, you know, I, I think probably if we're going to have any sort of luck, as Russ mentioned, I think up front, front row, line out where Sale have struggled surprisingly, actually, um, in the last few weeks. Um, you know, Clanetley probably apart, but the 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 they have they've not been performing brilliantly in the scrum and line out. They give a lot of penalties away. There's also the chance with Sale that the the way that they play the rugby is, again we've mentioned it before is on the edge, and you wouldn't necessarily discount them uh, getting a sentence sending off or a yellow card or a couple of yellow cards. Um, so let, let's pl- let's play for that then. Well, you never know. I mean, I, I, then, I could, then we the daft thing is, the, I, I, the daft thing is, I could see us winning this game. Uh, unlike unlike some of the other games we play against, like say Exeter or Bristol, where I would struggle to see us getting anything. The sale, I don't know. I don't think sale are that much better than Gloucester. I think, as we mentioned before, everyone else has mentioned that I think it's a case of the coaching is helping them um, play better than they actually are. I think if Gloucester turn up, Sale aren't quite at it, you know, hangover from last weekend. You never know. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we win. I think probably I'm going to err on the side, of course, and say we'll probably lose a bonus point, you know, a losing bonus point, probably realistic. Uh, A win, if we got a win, I think that would be a good result. Uh, you know, actually, for me, it's a lot, 
it's got to be with us. It's got to be about performance now. The, the yeah, results are absolutely. relevant. There's no relegation. We don't want to finish bottom. Just for, well, as fans, we don't want to finish bottom. No. But in the grand scheme, thing, it is all about performance. And I just what worries me is even when we've performed this season, I haven't seen anything that makes me think, yeah, we've turned the corner and we're starting to go any go where. I just don't like our game plan. And we kick no. and, and, that, and, and I think and if you're going to kick the ball away all the time like we are. You're not going to win games or rugby. And I think Ed's point about coaches bringing the best out of players for me is really telling. Yes, we we could be on par with Sale, but the fact of the matter is Sale are above us, and it is down to their coach. Like Jim said, for me, I don't think Sanderson will allow the standard to drop week on week because he sets that standard. Mm. I don't know if our coaches can of offer the same. Week on week, have we? I, I, I think I think they that's what they, they, they the standard they set. Unfortunately, I just don't think they uh, they can enforce it or, or empower it through the, into the players for whatever reason at the moment. I don't. Yeah, you probably. I don't right, think though. any. I don't think any any club or coach ever goes in no. at that level. We're not in that sort of mindset. The, the, the difference is, is Sanderson has a way of touching the nerve of the players to ensure we're. we're both at Saris and now at Sale, and making sure that that doesn't happen. I yeah. think what was telling for me for that was you look at that Waldock interview where he was cut in with La Rochelle and his frustrations on all the things we were doing wrong defensively. There, it was only 20 minutes into the game and they were all common sense things. You're thinking the lad should know that by now from you. You know, that's coaching in. And that, like you said, he was talking absolute sense in what he was saying, but he just couldn't get it across in that 20 minutes and when you hear Sanderson Sanderson is very good at those interviews and he'll be very honest there and I think that's the difference for me in it is like you said Loz I think think he's a bit more British Waldock's a matey boy yeah he's someone's mate isn't he and I don't mean it as he's Danny's mate I mean he's he probably wants to be one of the boys still yeah he's he's an arm round come on pal you'll get there Sanderson just has to whereas I think Sanderson's a bit bullish yeah well there, there comes a point where actually, as a as a manager, you you don't want to be friends with anyone because actually they're the people that you've got to get rid of if they're not performing, and and if you're that that person that wants to be friends with everyone, what you can't do is then ball them out on a Monday and say that's not acceptable, and if you carry on like that, you're you're out the door, yeah. and and it's it, and it you know it, as much as you might want to be able to do. A particular way of managing. If you can't, if 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 you're not that type of person, you can't do it. No. On that cheery note, <laughs> <laughs> as we've as we've all decided that we're probably going to lose, uh, we'll call it a night. Thank you very much, guys. I really enjoyed that one. Um, um, it's going to be another fun edit for me, uh, but that's can, all. That's all good fun. Can I confirm what time the actual game is going to be? Is it one o'clock? I think it's one o'clock on Saturday. So it's, the, it's a, it's a one prelude. O'clock on Saturday. It's one o'clock the, um, on Saturday. Pre, uh, a, a prelude to an even more depressing moment. In, no, no, uh, it's okay because we can watch the, um, the the women's women's Six Nations. Apparently, hasn't changed. Oh, excellent! That's good. So there is something else to watch uh, on Saturday. Ed, are you going to play the uh, national anthem at the end of this yeah. podcast? Uh, no. Uh, I'm <laughs> we'll, watch, we'll watch we'll watch the Ireland game. Uh, yeah, the women's Six Nations. If you can find it on iPlayer, but that's another story. I'm not going to rant on about. Oh, sorry, is that the Ireland France game? Did you say, Jim? Yeah, yeah, that might not go, that might not go ahead because of quarantine issues, and I'm not even joking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so we're going to finish now. Uh, thank you very much, guys, and uh, we'll speak again next week, hopefully after a Gloucester win, uh, for another cheery, happy pod.
Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Till next time.